Welcome to Friends of Film Camp, a podcast for two friends, gathered by the fire from our fun film perspectives. I'm Julia. And I'm Luke. Today we're talking about Bros. Bros is a 2020 film. 2020. Bros is a 2022 film released in September, uh, directed by Nicholas Stoller, who, uh, what else has he done now? I'm curious. Uh, he made Forgetting Sarah Marshall, mm-hmm. The Five Year Engagement. Neighbors, Neighbors 2. That's it. Well, he made other stuff, but you all know. And written by Nicholas Stoller and Billy Eichner, and starring Billy Eichner and produced by Judd Apatow. It's a very interesting roster. Mm-hmm. But the promotion of this movie was the first openly LGBTQ rom com. Uh, I think it was really they were just saying gay rom-com. But mm-hmm. I don't know. People don't like that they said first, but... Well, it's I'm guessing true. it was first in, like, a technical, specific way, but not in an actual way. I don't know, because, like, um... Um... Fuck, what's it called? Imagine Me and You was very much a gay rom-com. It was a lesbian rom-com, but it kind of went under the radar... Maybe they meant gay in that way. So I can't I think, think they of might a, have meant gay in the liter- like yeah, literal two I can't men think, aspect. I can't think of a rom-com with two men. Um, also, it would depend, you know, like... What do you define as a rom-com? Exactly. Like, you know, is an indie film a rom-com? Or does a rom-com need to be more general? But they seem to have narrowed their focus to a gay rom-com from a major studio. Which yeah. does seem to be true. Which I, I, I don't think it's like that important like i don't think it's shitty for this movie to be like oh we're the first it's we're one of the first it's very much i can't think of a movie this mainstream like big being released um that has been like a gay happy rom-com so like that's exciting and it gets across like what the movie is so i don't have a problem with that personally no it is not doing well. It isn't? It is doing poorly. Aww. Doing very poorly. That's sad. Maybe it'll turn it around. Maybe it'll have longevity, but yeah, it's barely making... For an opening weekend, it's barely making about $5 million. That makes me sad. But we'll see. Uh, so yeah, this was Billy Eichner's big push. He was the one really putting this together and pushing it. Yeah. And uh, let's talk about the plot first. I don't know. I don't know what we talk about. I don't know why I'm leaving this. I hate leaving this. <laughs> okay, I will not. I'll not make you leave then. Um, so we had different experiences with this movie. You loved it, right? I enjoyed it quite a bit. You didn't love it? I don't know if love is the right word. Okay. But I had... I enjoyed it a lot, and I really had a lot of fun. I really liked some elements. The romance, for one, I thought was really well done. I saw someone online, like, angrily be like, those two don't even have a romantic interest. Oh, uh, like, I thought chemistry. they had chemistry. And I'm like, they have No, they had chemistry. chemistry. They had chemistry. I believed it. You um, want to know what? Yeah. You know that small group of people... Like, that very small group of people that exist out there who are never happy with anything. Because it's never... 
enough. Mm-hmm. And in certain ways, there is valid criticism you could make about this movie. Like, yeah. it's not enough. But in the end, this movie has never once been subtle about what this movie is. This is a rom-com. Well, that... It is a normal rom-com about miscommunication and misunderstanding. And they're going to get together at the end. And you know that. Going in. But that's not where the movie's, like, innovating. That reminds me a lot of Crazy Rich Asians, which I've seen a lot of discussion on recently. Because famously that movie was the first Hollywood movie to have, like, an all-Asian um, cast, right? And um, I've seen some stuff recently from the director because the movie has gotten some criticism for being, like, too frivolous. It's a rom-com, again. Mm-hmm. It's, like, dealing with rich people. It's not talking about everything. And I there is, like, a... a there is a responsibility that we put on movies like this when they're showing representation that is so um, rarely shown that we kind of want them to do everything, which they can't. And it's like, it's I don't think it's really a fault of anyone. It's because we don't have anything. So if you want this type of movie, then you want that movie to be that. But when you I, don't get very much, when you don't get a lot of movies made about you, you or your demographic, when they do make movies about it, and it doesn't fully include your yeah what you want out of it, then you feel like it failed you because exactly. it, it's an unfair burden exactly. on the movie, and that's it's an unfair burden on the movie because the studios and Hollywood and everyone else doesn't make enough that the burden can be shifted to other films that can that are meant to handle it. Mm-hmm. Like this movie is a movie about two guys falling in love. They go through very specific problems for them yeah. that are not specific problems to everyone. Yeah. They are not specific problems to most people. But they are specific problems to them. But because it's the gay rom-com, which part of it is that they marketed that so hard. It's true. But I do think, like, y- they have... you. I do think you need to almost check yourself if when you're going into movies like this. What? <laughs> really want to just say you got to check yourself before, before you, you wreck, wreck yourself, yourself. <laughs> but i think you need to check your own expectations because like no movie can be everything and a rom-com is a rom-com so you you can't like go into it wanting the rom-com to be more what yeah. you want is more movies which is like I totally remember, a fair want the critique i saw was someone being like well i still wasn't interested in the story and it was about miscommunication and all that i'm like that's what a rom-com is well and I'm like, I don't even think it was about really miscommunication. It was about two men who ha- weren't interested or hadn't done serious relationships before falling into one and navigating that. Like, it, yeah. the, it, there wasn't even, like, that miscommunication where, like, the one guy saw another guy and he was talking to some dude. Well, there's and a, he, there is that at the peak of the relationship yeah but it's like real it's not like yeah. fake it's not like it's not like he was talking to some guy who like he wasn't being weird with but then the other guy decided that he was and then he doesn't talk to him for it's forever. very rom-com stuff like mm-hmm. this is the thing with this movie is that it is giving you exactly what it told you it was going to give you it's yeah. not doing something different it's not doing something shocking there 
It didn't want to. It wanted to be classic rom-com. I also think... But then people are saying, well, I'm actually more excited for, like, that new M. Night Shyamalan movie. Uh Have you heard about that? No. He's making a gay horror film. (gasps) Okay. Um... Yeah, but I I think like the the romance and the relationship between these two is actually really well done, and it's approached in a very complex way, which I really appreciate because I think sometimes with current um, I think Bill wait what's his name Billy Eisner Billy Eichner Eichner he's the he's the lead and the writer right he is the writer he's the star and he kind of was the one that put this together i think um people being uh queer people being involved is very evident because i think a lot of representation we've seen recently is so scared to be offensive that they lean towards boring so you have like perfect queers who like yes. would never do anything bad to each other. They're just in love from the moment they see each other and everything's rainbows, you know? So um, they don't do that in this movie. There's like uh, the love interest at the beginning. It has like some pretty unlikable qualities that he grows out of, you know? So like but I think... In an organ- yeah. In a way that it's like he's just becoming his new version of himself but not like he changed for him yeah so i think like it's actually done really well in that way um and in terms of like being you know the first gay rom-com or whatever um i thought there was also a lot of like intricate details to like the gay experience so, like, mm-hmm. I'm, like, not a gay man, but, you know, we have, like, the thing about uh, steroids versus testosterone, uh, which they don't really go into, but it is mentioned, which is interesting. You have the uh, the, the thing of, like, how Grinder works at the beginning, which stressed me the fuck out because it was so awkward and, like, y'all don't know how to talk to each other and it's, like, so cold and I was, like, cringing so much. But I can accurately say that they have captured. That's what a grinder conversation is. Yeah, so I hey, think like... Hey, and then nine years at a time, they ask for nudes immediately after. And they're very mad if you don't give perfect nudes. Which is super annoying because I don't... Like, people at Grindr are shockingly picky. Yeah. <laughs> me about it. Grinder sounds horrible, honestly. But I thought showing <laughs> that was really interesting. And it it... it showed it in a way that was fairly blase you know like it wasn't pointed or anything Mm -hmm. um and they also yeah they all like at the beginning of the movie they talk about how uh billy eichner's talking about how people like to say they want gay people just want uh what straight people have but for gay Mm mm-hmm and like that, they want a straight relationship, but take the bride out for a groom. Yeah. And it's otherwise the same thing. And it's like, that is not what day dating is. Mm-hmm. And I like that we're moving into that narrative more. Mm-hmm. Just because we've been able to say like equal rights, but they're also, we're like different things. Yeah. Like they're, di- they're just in structures. Some are very similar, mm-hmm. but some are different. And that's just how it works. Uh, and that movie, the movie kind of addresses that. Yeah, it does. In a way that I think is really good. Um, 
There's also an interesting through line throughout the movie of internalized homophobia and also men. Do you know the term intricate rituals? No. Okay. It's some writer whose name is escaping me, but um, she talks about the intricate rituals that men do for an excuse to touch the skin of other men. So there's like football. <laughs> there's things that are built into culture that make it okay. One of them is violence. Um, the movie talks about. The movie talks like, about actually it. quite a lot. Um, we see, like, even you, the most obvious time is when they're in the park, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, it's actually, like, a through line. We see, um, what's his face? I don't remember either of their names. I feel like, well, it's been a few days since we watched it, but it was Bobby... Billy Eichner and Aaron. Aaron? We see Aaron, he's like play fighting with his old hockey guy before they start kissing. We see the like bro dude one, Bobby is like experimenting with stuff. So it's actually like a through line that like even if you're gay and you're not completely in the like heteronormative toxic masculinity, there's still this like border. There's still this like wall (laughs) that it feels like you need to get through to get to romance almost Mm -hmm. which i think is again a really complex thing that they're talking about that i at least haven't seen explored in a movie very much Mm -hmm. uh yeah i liked the discussion of it i like the two of them as a romance Mm -hmm. couple because you don't see it working at first but also, they do have, a, like, a love at first sight moment, but mm-hmm. it's not normal love at first sight. Like, he kind of has that love at first sight, and then it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And then it works later. Very, very slowly. And I think a lot of it is internalized homophobia mm-hmm. mixed with two people who have decided long-term complex relationships aren't really for them. Yeah, they both have In a very different ways, mm-hmm. interestingly, too. Like, one's much more of a live fun and free and in the moment, and I want to be free energy. And one is a too intellectual to stay in one place too long. I also like that it's um, a romance between... Um, like, Bobby is in his 40s, and it's his first serious romance. I really like the representation of that. I think a lot of the queer content that we've been getting lately, which isn't bad, but a lot of it is with teenagers, right? Or, like, you know, teenagers. <laughs> 20-year-olds playing teenagers. Yeah, but it's, like, it's supposed to be teenagers. And I think a lot of the queer experience actually happens later. Like, a lot of people aren't out in high school, And so it's nice to see these representations of kids in high school, but you also have a lot of queer people who, like, don't start their romantic life until a lot later, like, when they're in their mid-20s or, like, after. So I think it's really cool to see not just, like, a romance between some older guys, but, like, a first romance and see Bobby dealing with, like, what that means for him. Yeah. <laughs> it's very interesting because they don't, no one really knows how to navigate this. And that's 
goes into the you're not really given guides on this type of relationship. Yeah. Uh, I also want to touch on that boardroom because uh-huh. Bobby works for Bobby is a very successful person, yes. which does lean into rom com tropes, which. Mm-hmm. I thought works here because yeah. because of the rom com trips. It's like Sex in the City. They're mm-hmm. all very wealthy New Yorkers. Money yeah. was never the issue. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Bobby is a podcaster. He's a famous podcaster, and he is on a board he's to the open. Head of the, he's the executive director or chairman of the board to yeah. open the first LGBT. History Museum. It was so hard to say. <laughs> Why is it so hard to say? Yeah, he, but they're making a big museum and they have this boardroom. And this boardroom is where I think some of the best <clears throat> humor in the movie happens. Yeah. Just because they got like six, five or six really funny people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also, I liked... It's like T.S. Madison... Uh, Monica Ramon, uh, Jim Rash, a few others. Yeah, with that boardroom too, I also liked uh, the, I like the representation of the infighting that we can have as like a queer, queer community. We're kind of constantly inviting, but it's like not, it's not even that serious. You know they have I mean? a lot of fun with it. The best, <laughs> the funniest joke was uh, Jim Rash, who's like the bisexual yeah. representation, <laughs> being really upset against who is the lesbian one. Um, what was her? Name? I don't know, but I know she's from Glee. It's Dot Maria Jones mm-hmm. or Dorothy Maria Jones. I think they go by Dot. Anyway, Dot was fighting. That's a great name. Dot. Don Maria Jones was fighting with Jim Rash, mm-hmm. and the funny joke was, uh, she was like, it was Bisexual Awareness Week this week, and no one has brought it up. And then she's like, it was Lesbian Awareness Month in March, and no one said a thing. Mm-hmm. And Jim Rash is like, of course you get a month, but we get a week. Yeah. And I just loved that type of humor. Like, they were poking yeah. fun, but like... They were making fun of each other, but you could tell even by the energy of the movie, they were laughing so hard at it. I think that leads me into the comedy of the movie, because I know, I know. But listen, the one-liners and the jokes all worked really well for me. Those were all really funny. The situational comedy, for me, was very awkward, like uncomfortable comedy, and I just don't have a good time in that. It's and, office humor. And I didn't, yeah, I mean, I can't watch The Office. And I didn't, that wasn't really in the trailer. The trailer is more the one-liners, which you know, works better for trailers anyway. So I didn't know going in. So that just, like, kind of greatly impeded my enjoyment. Because I'm someone who gets, like, major secondhand embarrassment. So it was just, like, I spent a lot more time being embarrassed than I thought I was going to be. You know what I mean? But, like, that is a taste thing. That's not even really a criticism of the movie. Because, you know, so many fucking people love The Office. And, like, that's mostly what The Office is. So, like, I feel like it's just, like, if that's something that doesn't bother you or you find that funny, then you would really like it. Yeah, it's that modern Office, Parks and Rec, Brooklyn Nine-Nine 
awkward humor. The Office is really where that peaked in terms of popularity. Mm-hmm. At a, yeah. I don't it think is, it's Brooklyn Nine-Nine. There's some awkward humor there, I think. Maybe. I don't know. Brooklyn Nine-Nine doesn't make me cringe very often. <clears throat> well, I think The Office is the best example. Yeah, it is. If you, like, enjoy Steve Carell yeah, uh, in the doing that sort of thing, that's a lot. That is a fair bit of humor in yeah. here. It's that type of humor. Uh, so. But that didn't seem to bother you. No, I was not bothered by it. Okay. I just thought it was funny. The whole oh. movie. <laughs> yeah, I did not have that experience. So that, like, impeded my enjoyment because, you know, it is a rom-com. So I loved the rom. I loved, like, some of the com. <laughs> but the majority of the com is that. So, you know. Yeah. And honestly, like, that's just my main criticism of the film, which is too bad because, I, like, I wanted to, like, love it. But because of that, like, I had the experience with, like, everything I've been talking about. I really appreciate everything that the film is doing. Would I probably watch it again? I don't know. You know? Uh, I don't know if I'll watch it again anytime soon. Really? I like it. It's just not a movie I want need to watch all by time. It did get you at the end that you were crying. I cry always in gay movies. I love it. I cry in movies a lot, too. Okay, speaking of, though, at the end... And this is a very personal thing. At the end, um, Bobby sings a song for Aaron. I hated that. In country music. I hated that. First of all, don't like country music. But that was very sweet because Aaron likes country music. But second of all, I hate people singing to me. I hate it. I don't want anyone to sing to me, especially in a crowd. That's like the worst thing that could ever happen to me. So I was just like, oh. (laughs) Yeah, but... It's very rom-com. Again, it's not a criticism of the film. It's just an explanation of my experience of it. You know what I mean? And then he, like, fake proposes to him. Which, so, again, is cute because he proposed to him for, like, three months. You've also said before, your biggest nightmare is a public, a public proposal. public proposal. I know. So, like, that whole situation, I was just, like, stressing. One time we're <laughs> going to go to a restaurant together and I am going to get no, down on my And be like, Jillian, let's do this. <laughs> And everyone's gonna cheer, and then you're gonna have to like throw food at me. I would cry. That's the problem. I would is cry, you wouldn't even have like a fun reaction. You would just be sad. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be sad, and people at first would think you would cry because you were so happy, <laughs> and then you would keep crying. <laughs> and then it would just slowly, everyone would turn away. It would just ruin everyone's night. So, yeah, again, it's like my main. They're not even criticisms of the movie, just my. my experience is extremely like just personal bullshit you know what i mean so it's like that song at the end was sweet they were like fun i didn't like the montage they did there that was montage, a cheesy. the montage the only problem with it i have is that when you do a montage like that in a movie mm-hmm. my thought is always it's like yeah i was just there with you <laughs> Yeah. And like a TV show that works better because it was like it's three seasons ago yeah. and you can like show growth and change. And like, okay, I haven't been here in two years. But like <laughs> the movie, they were just showing scenes they showed like 20 minutes ago. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I, I still remember that. It was cute and it was sincere and they like love each other. Ooh, I remember what I wanted to talk about. Okay. The main breakup. So the main breakup happens after Bobby and Aaron have gotten pretty serious. 
and Aaron invites Bobby to, like, join him and his family for Christmas. And Aaron's family is, like, a little conservative vibes. Not, like, super conservative. Not super conservative, but he's, like... A little traditional. Yeah. And he uh, is, like... Bobby's all, like, oh, I will plan, like, the coolest thing, like, whatever. And Aaron's, like, hey, they're, like, from a small town, so keep that in mind. And Aaron's, like, yeah, totally, I got it. And then we go on the thing, and Aaron's just, like, talking about, like, every gay thing that's, like, ever happened in New York. Mm-hmm. And going into huge detail. And honestly, like, monopolizing the conversation a little bit. But here's the thing. that Before this, we had an interesting discussion between the two of them. Yeah. Where uh, Bill, Bobby basically explains why he's, like, a lot of energy. Why mm-hmm. he likes to be that lunch. Because... Uh, he didn't like people telling him, tone it down, be calm, be quiet. Yes. And he doesn't like people saying, why does everything have to be gay? Why does everything have to be this? And he's like, well, that's what I am and that's what I like. Yeah. Like, that's just what it is. Like, that's a big part of me and that's what I want to be allowed. Yeah. And so at one point, like, Aaron pulls him aside and it's like, can you, like, calm down? And then, but he specifically says, tone it down. Yeah. And like, he. Turn it down. Yeah. And then, uh, Bobby gets like really upset and like lashes out at dinner. I have a perhaps controversial opinion in that I feel like Bobby was mostly in the wrong here. No. Okay. Well, we'll get into it. Specifically, the reason I feel that is because at the beginning, Aaron. Explain the situation. Bobby knows that Aaron has a complex relationship with himself being gay. And I felt that Bobby was... It wasn't that he was being too gay or whatever. But he was monopolizing the conversation completely in what we saw. And was being kind of rude. And I think if your partner asks you... If your partner has a complex relationship, especially with their parents, in regards to them being gay, and they express that to you and you agree to it i feel like it's very rude to then ignore that because there's so much dynamics and bullshit no, going no, on there no, i'm cutting you off okay i have had people both tell me before to tone it down and more spe- this was the more significant thing i before i was fully before i was fully out i've had other people complain to me before they knew i was gay about other people who were gay and they're like why does it have to be everything about them yeah and so i knew what that meant mm-hmm. and there here's the things you're talking about the relationship first off he is fully out with his family yeah. they're not the dating part isn't the subtle part mm-hmm. this isn't like that holiday movie with christian stewart yeah where like the complex there was she wasn't out yeah which is okay i can tone it down if you're not out mm-hmm to like protect you but also you shouldn't have put me in this situation yeah like he invited him to spend the christmas with him that's true. when he like knew them he was like this uh, you want to come bobby's like i don't need to like i don't you don't need i don't need to be there if you don't want me there no you're like, right you've changed my mind he invited him second off is that bobby was talking a lot bobby does talk a lot just in general but mm-hmm. he was like engaging in the like engaging in conversation with them he Mm -hmm. was just leading them he was like look at this interesting thing let me tell you about a bunch of interesting things he was like 
we got her responses to it. Mm-hmm. She just didn't have that much of a response to the stuff. Yeah. But he was doing that. And third off, when he said that to him, I was devastated. And I had all those awful feelings of when people said that stuff, mm-hmm. like brought back. I Aww. knew the second that he said it, like what it meant and like how hurt he was. Because I felt that. And I was like, oh my gosh, how dare you? I was like really sad at that moment i was so sad i was like how could he say that and i know why he said it like i get that feeling but also i was so mad at him if we weren't if we were alone at that theater i would have screamed at this (laughs) movie theater there were other people i was respectful but i hated that and i like i don't blame him like angrily Mm -hmm. it was wrong but i knew that feeling i did not like it yeah so i understand why he was mad and why he, I don't even like the word lashed out because that's not really what happened at dinner. They like got into a fight that he normally would have gotten into. Mm-hmm. And that was the sort of thing where he was asking him before with the traditional, like traditional different value energy. That was where it's like, just don't fight with them at Christmas dinner about everything. Yeah. That's what I got from that. And that's when he crossed. I guess cross the line. I don't know if that's the best word. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you know, I, uh, so I feel very strongly that even though Billy Eichner like didn't handle it well, mm-hmm. he was not in the wrong here. Aaron asked him to do something he should never have asked him to, especially after Billy Eichner told him how uncomfortable he was with people or how bad that made him feel Yeah, with other people asking him. Okay. No, you're right. You've convinced me. I did like that they both apologized to each other, though. Yeah. Well, they both, that's how it works. Like, both of them overreacted to situations. But Aaron started it. And I like that Aaron acknowledges that. Um, another thing that the movie touches on, in terms of, like, the gay experience, is that they do engage in a way that I think is really interesting with, like, the hierarchy of femininity where it's almost like There's <laughs> the more two masculine di- and like hetero passing you are, it's like a different. In the movie, there are two jokes with two characters where uh, they're younger, fit, femme people that aren't fitting the vibe mm-hmm. of the rest of the room. I think the joke in both scenes was intended to be that. They're not matching the vibe. Yeah. Like everyone else in the room is like at a different vibe and they're going somewhere else. And that's supposed to be the joke. But it does so happen to be that both of them aren't matching the vibe because they're being more more femme, more yeah. like flamboyant. Which I got bad vibes from specifically because, well, I mean, in general. But I also do think it's interesting because the movie is engaging with this perceived hierarchy in sort of like gay culture of like almost like the more masculine you are like it's like cooler and more accepted right because we uh bobby does talk about that with himself you know he's like he he has a more feminine voice he has a more flamboyant way of talking and he feels sometimes lesser than than like the burly uh gym bros that Aaron normally dates you know we see that when he like pretends to be more manly and hooks up with that one gym bro right so 
I just felt like we were engaging with that conversation, but it's almost like they didn't think about it in terms of like, oh, if you're, it it felt a little bit to me like, oh, if you're more feminine than Bobby. Bobby's like the limit. Bobby's like the limit. If you're more feminine than Bobby, then you're annoying and you're stupid. I really, really don't feel that was intentional there, but it, it is existing. Yeah. And the problem with, discussing it is it's very minor things what was it's very minor things that you can acknowledge as problematic without ruining the rest of the movie i do feel like it would be very strange for it to be on purpose considering i think it was just the whole movie but it it was a little bit of like a questionable decision to do it twice you know in my opinion i it wasn't it was just two jokes i didn't think landed as well as they wanted to but yeah so that's it worth acknowledging but yeah overall um because of my personal preferences i couldn't enjoy the movie as much as i wanted to but i still really liked the awkward embarrassment humor yeah um all of the like but i still really enjoyed the romance i thought it was really well done i really liked these two together i i enjoyed a lot of what the movie was doing but just like personal stuff kind of impeded my enjoyment but i still think it's a good movie like i would recommend it to people um if i knew that like the office or whatever you know mm-hmm. i think you had more of like a more generally positive yes but i think this touched on a lot more personal experiences in my life yes. so that's uh, the thing too it's like i'm a lesbian so it's like it's i'm it's not gonna have the exact I'm still like, yay, queer representation, but it's not like the exact same like personal it's like not your queer representation. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like a different inherent emotional experience. Also, the Deborah Messing jokes yeah, were really good. Those were the, funny. I like a good celebrity cameo. You have to use them well. <clears throat> and I thought it was really well done. Yeah. Especially the second time she comes back at the end. Yeah. Where she was like, That's beautiful and she's trying to interact with him. Like, and he's like for once in my life, I'm going to have to say, you'll have to wait, Deborah Messing. And yeah. everyone in the room was shocked. Yeah. She's, <laughs> she's like the Michelle, the Michelle Visage of a sitcom gay TV. Yeah. She's like, she's an ally, but she's like the best darn ally you can get. <laughs> when I you didn't... need a straight friend to like set you on, the, <laughs> to set you back on the right path after you've gone wild you yeah. call deborah messing or you call michelle i did like her cameo i also liked the straight friends his like they seemed like his best friends that that couple we like saw them the most often him talking to them or besides that, that was one his guy. sister that was his sister i think so oh that went over my head but i thought they were sweet and i thought i liked their mm-hmm. relationship i think it was sister and brother-in-law uh, okay that makes sense so yeah Overall, you should go see it. I think it's fun to see it in theaters. Uh, part of the reason why it might not be doing... Well, I have two reasons for that. I'm really sad that it's not doing well. I thought it was. I have theories. First off is that they don't, rom-coms that don't do well in theaters really That's at true. all anymore. This is like a mid-movie. Yeah. And they just don't do well in theaters anymore. Which is sad, but movie theaters just haven't been able to draw people in for a while. Yeah. COVID really set that back. But this was where it was heading anyway. But uh, yeah, I just think that the movie didn't feel super cinematic. And also, like in terms of 
it's not like a big action movie. Yeah, it's not it's like just Avatar a small... where they're like, you need to see this in the theater. No, you don't need to see it in theater, but I think it's fun to see it in theater. I think it's fun and it's good to support stuff. But, uh, second thing is that I just don't think Billy Eichner is that big of a star. And there's really no star power in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, there's people who are well-known. Yeah. Like, Jim Rash is from Community. He has an Oscar for writing, but... Like, you don't know Jim Rash that well. Yeah. You wouldn't go see a movie for Jim Rash. I mean, the whole star power thing is, like, weird to me. I don't normally go see things because of who's in them. But I know but like, that that's, like, a thing. Yeah, well, like... <laughs> Like, don't worry, darling. Yeah. That movie would have a lot less... You, we wouldn't have gone see that movie if it starred... I if guess it didn't that's star, like, uh, Yeah, I guess that's true. Florence Pugh. Yeah. If it starred just someone else. You're right, you're right. So, that's the thing. Is star power is kind of supposed to be like a, a promise of quality. Mm-hmm. Like, they're in this movie, so it's probably good. Or at least I know they'll be good. But I just don't think Billy Eichner has that type of star power. I think he was hoping that this movie would create that for him. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it seems to have connected. Well, it's still early. It's early. It could change around. It could hold. But I'm getting vibes. This isn't going to be in theaters very long. Mm. Which is sad. That makes me sad. But go see bros. Go support a good gay movie. And have fun laughing. But also, this is very important. Normally, movie ratings are like, you should always follow movie ratings. But this is a movie. This is an adult movie. This is a very adult movie. Yeah. Like, Don't Worry Darlings is an adult movie. But, like, if a kid walked in on you, you wouldn't instantly shun them for most of it. Yeah, There's you're a few right. scenes, This does have like, a decent amount of sex in it. There's a lot of sex in this movie. Yeah. So, this is a... I just like to add that because this is... A very adult movie, mm-hmm. which is fine. Adult movies are allowed to exist. But that's, I think, important to know. <laughs> that concludes today's episode of Friends at Film Camp. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll catch you next time at the campfire.